It is my honor to welcome and introduce you to Donna Culp as the speaker for our Memorial Day tribute. Donna graduated from the Texas Women's University in 1980 with a Bachelor of Science in Occupational Therapy. She was a practicing therapist when she received a direct commission into the United States Air Force in 1985, serving in the United States and Germany and leaving the military in 1992. She retired from occupational therapy after a combined 23-year civilian and military career in 2003. And after retiring from occupational therapy, Donna worked briefly for Sunrise Senior Living in the Department of State before starting a second career with the CIA between the years of 2005 and 2016, serving in the United States, the United Kingdom, the, in the country of Jordan, Egypt, and Iraq. Donna is a life member of the National Military Officers Association of America, and she is the president of the Western North Carolina Military Officers Association of America, known as WNCMOAA, that covers 14 counties of Western North Carolina. She also serves as a member of the Middle, uh, Military Officers Association, North Carolina Council of Chapters, representing Western North Carolina, and serves alongside of her husband, John, in the Special Forces Association, Chapter 17. Donna and her husband reside in Waynesville, along with their two dogs, Chelsea and Treeline. They enjoy traveling around the United States in their RV, and they love visiting their four ch adult children, their seven grandchildren, while taking in scenic areas along the way. Donna, we welcome you for this Memorial Day tribute here at our camp meeting at Lake Junalusco. Before I get started, this is Memorial Day. I would like to take a brief moment to ask everyone in this audience who has served in the military, all you veterans, please stand and be recognized. Welcome home, and thank you for your service. This being Memorial Day also, I would also like to rec recognize the families who have lost members while active duty, and especially during war. Would you please stand as you are able? Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I recognize your sacrifice, and I thank you for your service to this country. I would also like to thank Pastor Ed, or in the military we'd say Chaplain Ed, right here, 
for the invitation to speak today on behalf of our nation's fallen. And I want to thank each and everyone here today for coming to this event to honor and remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice in service to our great nation. As a woman standing before you today, I am proud and honored to have served in the United States Air Force. On this Memorial Day, I want to remember all the men and women who have given their lives while in service and the Constitution they vowed to protect and defend and keep free from enemies, both foreign and domestic. On call 24-7, the job of the military member can be as demanding as it is rewarding. The personal sacrifices are many, as even their loved ones can attest. Living conditions can be brutal and the loneliness heartbreaking for the ones in the field and the ones at home. Missed birthdays, anniversaries, game events, recitals, births, and even funerals mark time away from family and friends that can never be regained. Therefore, it is also fitting to remember the families and friends of the fallen. They know too well the pain and heartbreak of their loss. Not a holiday goes by without thinking about their missing loved one, for they too have paid a personal price for their loss. By now you're probably asking, why would anybody commit to this kind of work? Well, for some it's a calling. For others, it's an opportunity. Opportunities for self-discovery, self-improvement, travel, adventure, education, a warming place between high school and the rest of their life. Whatever the reason, personal and professional, the decision to join the military is made. With their own sense of character, integrity, moral and ethical standards as their foundation, these men and women raise their hands and profess an oath that forever changes them. Then upon become mem becoming members of the U.S. military, they submit themselves to training and testing that shapes and molds them into the nation's finest. Steel sharpens steel. When put to the ultimate test, many pay the ultimate price. They give up their mortal souls to save their fellow brothers and sisters in arms, to free the oppressed, restore peace and dignity to war-torn lands, and to protect the precious freedoms we enjoy so freely in our own country. No. Freedom isn't free. As I close, we commemorate Memorial Day here at Lake Junaluska. And I challenge each one of us here today to ask ourselves, where would we be today if not for the sacrifices of our U.S. military? As the president of the Western North Carolina Military Officers Association of America, I would like to leave you 
with the knowledge that for all our active duty and veterans of all ranks and military branches of service, we will not forget our fallen brothers and sisters and their families and promise to never stop serving. When you see a veteran, take a moment to stop and thank them for their service. Remember the words of Medal of Honor recipient Kyle Carpenter. You're worth it. Thank you. Donna said she was going to speak for two hours. He said, go ahead. We have all the time in the world. But we're so happy that she was here this evening. Aren't you thankful for her service? I want to express my sincere appreciation to Chaplain and Pastor Ed Kuzer for coordinating the events of this Memorial Day tribute. There's a lot of work that he's done on the sideline to coordinate the uh, Civil Air Patrol from Asheville to arrange for Donna to be here, and the entire program here was really coordinated through Chaplain Ed Kuzer, and I just want to give him my special appreciation for what he's done in this. Tonight, collectively, we will be... Uh, recognizing as one body. We'll be calling different groups up to stand, but there will be a group that will be standing all together here. And we're going to begin by recognizing all members of the United States Armed Services, past and present. And we ask that you please hold your applause until the end when you see everyone standing. We would like to invite anyone who is presently serving active duty in one of the branches of our United States Armed Forces to stand at this time. That's not what he's here. There he is. Okay. Thank you. Well, uh, we're going to just call different groups collectively, and then we'll have one applause for all. So thank you for your service currently in, uh, in the armed services. We're also going to ask if anyone is serving in the reserves or the National Guard to uh, stand up. And, and by the way, remain standing, please. Remain standing. If you're in the reserves or in the National Guard. At this time, I'd like to ask all veterans to stand, all the veterans who have served our great nation, if you'd stand at this time. If there are those that are here that did not serve, but you lost a loved one that was in the service, we want to recognize you as well, because this really is a day for you to remember the sacrifice that you made. You may not have served in the military, 
but you gave a loved one in service for the military. Would you please stand if you lost a loved one that served in the military? On behalf of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that all of you have made for this nation and for the bountiful blessings of freedom not experienced in many parts of the world. Thank you so much for the gift of your loved one's ultimate sacrifice to each of you, to our active duty service men and women, to those who serve in the reserves or the National Guard, for all the veterans from every branch of the military service, and for those who gave their loved ones and that, that suffered the ultimate sacrifice for this nation. Today and every day, may you sense our undying respect and our gratitude. No one can possibly repay the debt we owe each of you who are standing here this evening. May God bless and keep each of you in his tender love and compassionate care until we reach that sweet Beulah land where there will be war no more. Let's give these folks a round of applause. On behalf of the Carolina Conference, with deep appreciation for what you have done for us, we'd like to make available to you a commemorative coin expressing our deep appreciation, which all military personnel can pick up at the close of the second service outside of Stewart Auditorium. Uh, there'll be a couple ushers standing out there uh, in the center where the, where the statue is, and please come by and pick up your coin. And again, thank you so much for your service. Stand for the retiring of the colors. Stand for the retiring of everybody to stand for the retiring of the colors. Would all of you please stand for the retiring of the colors?
You may be seated. Did you get your glow track tonight? Jesus said, go, sow a seed of truth. Ask Jesus every morning for a divine appointment where you can share a seed of truth that will change someone's heart and win someone's heart for his kingdom. I am so glad. I don't know how many of you are here for the first time tonight. Is there anyone here for the first time tonight? All right, we have a number of people that have just joined us. And so we welcome you here. Our speaker for this first part of camp meeting in the evening is Pastor Don McLafferty. Pastor Don is a disciple of Jesus Christ, and he is a husband to his bride of April for 33 years. He's a dad to three children. And uh, initially, he founded an organization called Kids in Discipleship because he, God had moved on the hearts of Don and April to launch a ministry to call parents back to discipling their own kids back to Jesus Christ. And uh, today, this ministry is known as In Discipleship, and it is committed to building champions who mentor the new generations to trust, follow, and share Jesus with the Holy Spirit's power. Some of you may not know this, but we have some goals that we have set for the Carolina Conference. And one of those goals for the next five years, starting with 2022 all the way through 2026, is that at every one of the 174 churches and companies of North and South Carolina, we wish to begin a program of discipleship. And I've been in contact with Pastor Don. There, you know, he has brought a number of resources. He's willing to share these resources with our pastors, with our churches. And none of these resources cost us anything because they're all provided through the gracious generosity of people that support his ministry. And we are using these resources to help our church family understand the importance of discipleship. You know, we, we believe in evangelism, evangelism in the heartbeat, but you know, evangelism and discipleship go hand in hand because we can win people to Jesus, but that's just the beginning, isn't it? It's just the birth. And then people need to learn how they can walk with Jesus faithfully. I am so thankful. I know that last night, many of you were touched by his message of, uh, as you know, come to Christ as you are. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Very simple. How many have sinned? All have sinned. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Romans 8 says it so beautifully, doesn't it? And tonight, Pastor Don is going to be talking about crown Jesus king. How can we crown him king? I invite Pastor Don to come up as I pray with him, and then we're going to pray together also through our prayer song, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. Oh Lord, I pray that you will bless our brother and your speaker for this camp meeting, Pastor Don McLafferty. Lord, anoint his message with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as he speaks to us about crowning Jesus as our King, I pray 
that we will crown him as the king of our lives. And we ask that at this very moment, your Holy Spirit will speak to us as we pray this prayer collectively through this song. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me and fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Are you happy? Are you joyful? That's even better. Now a dangerous question. Last night I gave you a challenge to take the good news of Jesus, that salvation is a gift, and pass it on to somebody else. I want to know in this big house of prayer, did anyone actually pass on the good news of Jesus with someone to say, to tell them what the Word of God teaches us, that salvation is a gift of God? Did anybody here do that? Amen. Amen. So praise God. Can we say amen to that? We had some people that actually put it to use immediately. Now, every night that I'm here, so I'm here four nights, every night, by the help of the Lord, I will present a message to you. It's first for you, but then who else is it for? Somebody else that you have influence with for the kingdom of God. And we as Seventh-day Adventists, we need to stop just receiving truth and receiving truth and receiving truth and receiving truth and stopping there. We must receive truth and pass it on. Receive truth and pass it on. If this good news is good news to you, it is not only for you. It must go on to somebody you love and care about, that you want to stand beside you when Jesus comes again. What do you say? I invite you to stand up. Please stand up. Please turn to a neighbor next to you. Turn to a neighbor next to you and ask them this question. Say, when is the time in your whole entire life when you felt the most free? When is the time in your whole entire life that you felt the most free? As soon as you hear me singing, join me in a song. Someone singing, my Lord, kumbaya. Sing with me. Someone singing, my Lord, kumbaya. 
Someone singing, my Lord, kumbaya, oh Lord, kumbaya. Now it's a little bit quieter, someone's praying. Someone's praying, my Lord, kumbaya. Someone's praying, Lord, kumbaya. Someone's praying, Lord, kumbaya. Oh, Lord, kumbaya. Could we not make this a place of prayer right now? Is that okay with you? Could you turn to someone close around you, twos or threes at the most, and could we humble ourselves before God? I know we just prayed, but prayer is not just to open a meeting. Amen? So I invite you to turn to someone around you, twos or threes at the most, and could we pray that the Holy Spirit really prepares our hearts to know tonight how do we find true freedom in Christ? How do we find true freedom in him? All right? Let's do that right now, just in twos or threes. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Now with all our hearts, he is coming. He is coming. Alleluia. He is coming. Alleluia. He is coming. Alleluia. He is coming. Praise the Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. I love the statement that was made tonight that freedom is not what? It's not free. It's not free. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. I'm thankful for the freedom we have in this country. Are you thankful? I'm also thankful for someone whose name is Jesus, who, who secured our freedom long ago. Please open the best book of all books to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And if you have a way of taking notes, I invite you to take notes. It's not because of what I am saying is so important. It's because the Word of God is so good. 
And it's also because I'm hoping and praying that you'll take this simple message. I only, I only share simple messages by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit because I am hoping and praying that you'll take it to heart and you'll live according to the word of God and so will I and that you and I will pass it on again and again and again before Jesus comes back, which I think is very soon. In John, Gospel of John, chapter 19, now if... If this was about 23 years ago when my and our son Jason was a little boy, he would say, Daddy, are you, are you going to 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John or plain John? This is just plain John, just plain John chapter 19. In plain John chapter 19, we read verse 16. So he then handed him over to be crucified, talking about Pilate handing him over Having, handing Jesus over to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the what? the king of the Jews. And some people didn't like that. They wanted to say he just called himself that. But Pilate knew he was the king of the Jews. Maybe he didn't know that he's king of kings. What do you think? Tonight, there is something that happened. Tonight, we need to look at this in Scripture and look at the final three words that Jesus said in verse 30. Because when Jesus said these three words something precious happened across the whole entire planet and around the whole universe. In verse 30, we read this. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished! I don't think he whispered it. It is finished! And what did he do? And he died. And when he said, It is finished... I am sure that Satan and the hordes of demons around this planet exulted. And they thought that, he, that they had triumphed. And when Jesus was in the grave, they were hoping and wishing that it was all over. But when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished, like this, it was, it was truly to secure what? Our freedom. Our freedom was secured when he cried out, it is finished. Amen? Precious, precious. Sometimes we act like he didn't secure our freedom. He did secure our freedom. The question is, are we living in that freedom tonight or not? Or are we bound? Are we actually living like a slave in these last days? Many of us in the Seventh-day Adventist church are living like slaves. We are living like Satan is on the throne instead of Jesus Christ. Have you ever lived as a slave? I've had times in my life that I have lived in slavery to bitterness. Have you ever been a slave like that? Bitter? Have any of you? Or am I the only one? Yeah, there's all kinds of slavery, right? Is that a form of slavery? Whew. It, wasn't, it wasn't a good time in my life when I was bound to bitterness. Had a couple years in my life when I was bound to bitterness. It was just like this. And I felt heavy all the time. Any of you relate to that? There's all kinds of ways to be bound. Many of us are bound. 
And the message tonight, I need you to be praying because Satan does not want us to understand the power of Jesus Christ available to his people now, tonight. So would you just be praying as we're, as we're going through the word? I'm serious. Uh, it's not because I'm frightened of Satan. It's because I believe that Jesus wants to get a message through. So tonight, as we think about what Jesus did on the cross, then let's look at the end of Matthew 28. Matthew 28. As we're turning to Matthew 28, just know that tonight, again, I will need some help. And so when I call for help, I hope that you will come up fast, okay? Matthew 28, verse 18. Here's one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he went where? Where'd he go? Back up to heaven. And so in verse 18, we read this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, How much authority or power? All authority has been given to me in where? In heaven and on earth. How much authority? All authority. Do you believe that or not? If you believe that tonight, what should you say? Because amen. amen means so be it. Right? So be it. Yes. I was in the UK, one of my first mission trips, one of my first times out of North America. And I was having the joy on a Sabbath to actually sit and just absorb and soak up the good news of Jesus. And I was hearing some good news about my Father in heaven. And so I said, Amen, like that. And the children right in front of me turned around like this and looked at me. And I thought, did I say something wrong? And, and then the, the preacher said something else about the love of our Father in heaven. And I could not help it. I said, Amen, joyfully. And the whole row turned around and looked at me with much concern. And then it was I, was, I realized that uh, I have lived most of my life in the South, and that was not appropriate for where I was in that particular church. But tonight, when you hear something, not that I say, but something that is true in the Word and the Holy Spirit's talking to you, it's very appropriate to say, Amen. It's your way of saying, it's your way of saying to God, I believe what you put in here for me. Amen. Amen. So in Matthew 28, verse, verse 18, I love it that Jesus doesn't say some authority has been given to me. I love it that Jesus didn't say, I have most of the authority given to me. I love it that Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Are we walking? Are we walking every moment as last day people under this authority? It's one thing for you and me to say joyfully tonight, amen, that Jesus has all authority and power. It's another thing to live under that authority. Hmm. So are you living under that authority? That's the question. That's the question. Let's go, let's go to, all the way to uh, Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 2, let's see what right does Jesus have to say that he has all authority and all power. Because that's a very big statement, isn't it? And if anyone says this on this planet or in this universe, there, we must understand why he could say it. Is that fair to say? We must understand. And even though we know intellectually tonight, I want us to revisit. I want us to reestablish this. Because we're going to, to 
enjoy the truth of this book of all books, and then we're going to, with the help of the Holy Spirit in this room, we're going to do the dangerous thing and pray that the Holy Spirit helps us to apply the truth to my living and your living. Are, are you open for that? Because if we don't apply, then we could just walk out of here saying, amen, beautiful, great message. I'm glad that Jesus is, is who he says he is. Now I'll go back and do what I've already done. But we're too close to Jesus coming for us to do what we've already done. We need to live differently because of who Jesus is for you and for me tonight. Really. We need to live differently because of who he is. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Are you there? Are you ready? Philippians 2, verse 5. We read this. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of what? Of death. Even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly... Now look closely what God did. They're talking about our Father God. Amen? What did our Father God do? For this reason also, God highly exalted who? Him. Who's him? Jesus Christ. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Ooh, I love that. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will do what? Bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every, what? Tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm. Has this happened yet? Does, has every tongue confessed yet that Jesus is Lord? No. Has every knee bowed? No. Is that day coming? And will that day come soon? Yes. We all, do we all agree? The question is, if we all agree, and we said we did, we all agree that Jesus is Lord, and he has authority in heaven and on earth, then what about now? Are we living under this authority right now? So, I would like to ask if I could have a, it can be a man or a woman, young person, who really, really likes to drive, but it needs to be somebody who really, like, just not likes to drive, but loves to drive, and loves to drive, oh, let's just say this is a Ferrari tonight, okay? So you have to use your imagination. Are you ready to use your imagination? Yes or no? Okay. I need a, someone who really would like to drive this Ferrari. I mean, you're really going to get into it. Okay. Are you coming? Are you offering? Thank you so much. Let's put you right up here so I want everybody to not miss out on the action. Thank you, sir. Very, very good. Uh, you, notice where he, you notice where he sat? USA. Now, yes, this is the yeah, USA. Now, I want to ask you a question. What gave you the first hint that this man wants to drive this car? Because where is he sitting? Right here. And what's your name, sir? Bill. Bill. Good to meet you, Bill. I'm Don, by the way. Good to see you. Okay. So, Bill, welcome to your Ferrari. This is, this is your Ferrari to drive. And um, I want to ask you if you had, I, let's just say you have it for the next 24 hours, uh, are you going to take it for a little spin? Oh, yes. 
Okay, yes, he says, oh, yes. All right. Now, I want you to imagine that he's taking it for a spin and he's testing it out. He's trying to see what it will do. Uh, do you have some hills around here? Some big hills. I love the hills around here. He's having fun. Now, now we're going to get serious, Bill. Imagine that this Ferrari represents Bill's life. Are you ready to track with me here? This represents Bill's life. And he's driving here. He hears the truth of Jesus, that Jesus has authority where? In heaven and on earth. And how much authority? All authority. And so he, he hears this truth. And his heart is pierced. And he says, you know what? I have been the boss of this car slash life for too long. I have been calling the shots. I have been deciding how fast or slow I go through my life. I have been deciding I'll go to the left or right right now. I need to give up this spot to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whoa, I didn't even have a chance to even go further. He's out of there. Out of there. Now, now, can we say amen to that? But now, Bill, get ready. I'm going to ask you a sincere question, okay? Now, we don't know each other, right? Okay, so, Bill, let's just say, now, who do you want driving here? Jesus. He wants Jesus right here, he says. Amen? So, let's say that Jesus takes the wheel, and he's driving, and remember, this Ferrari is representing what? Bill's life, and really, our life, right? So Jesus is driving, and let's say that Jesus is taking you through a part of your life, and you feel like he's going too fast for you. Have you ever had that happen, by the way? Like, he's just like, he's taking you so fast, and you know that you're supposed to believe in the promises and claim them, but you're, you can barely even keep up with where he's taking you. If, if Bill is right in this position next to Jesus, what could he be tempted to do with his foot? Put it on the what? The brake. Have you ever tried that with Jesus? Where he's leading you faithfully, powerfully, and you can tell he's calling you to do the next thing, but you're saying, oh, whoa. Have you ever done that? I have. I'm not proud of it, but I mean, raise your hand if you've ever done that. If you ever put the brakes on Jesus, oh, it's, it's too easy to do. But there's also times when Jesus could be taking Bill to slowly through a part of his life. And it's a painful part. And it's a dark part. Have you ever had that happen? And Bill could be tempted to put out a foot and do what? Put it where? On the gas and say, Jesus, can I help you out a bit? I think I've learned this already. I'm, not, I'm tired of living in the dark. I want to get out of this tunnel. You have some tunnels around here, right? I want to get out of this tunnel. I want to see what? I want to see the light. And so he could stomp on that pedal and say, sorry, Jesus, I'm, I need to go faster. Sometimes Jesus could take Bill when Bill's thinking, I like this road. He could start getting a little comfortable, you know, kind of just settle in his chair. This isn't so bad with Jesus at the wheel. But you know what? Sometimes right when I'm settling in, are you with me tonight? Like when I'm settling in and, and my wife April and I are thinking, this is, this is good. This is a good time in life. It's right about then that Jesus says, left. And I'm sometimes still in my mind going this way. I can almost be going through the windshield. Have you ever had that happen, Bill? And in that point, right when Jesus takes us on a hard left, 
what could we be tempted to do? Take the wheel and turn it the other way. Now, we know that sitting here is dangerous. Right or wrong? Is it dangerous to be the boss of our lives? Is it dangerous to tell Jesus, hey, you're, you're a spectator in my life. I believe in you, but I want to drive. Is it dangerous? So we know we should not sit here. True? We know we shouldn't sit here. But I want, to, I want to suggest tonight that this is even a more dangerous seat for us as last day people because we, hit, we know in our hearts and our minds we're not supposed to sit here. Amen? And so we do something that seems good at the time. We relinquish this. We go right to where Brother Bill is and we say, we've got it covered. Jesus, you're the boss. But we stay so close with our feet, so ready, just like he's been demonstrating, that any time he turns when we don't want to turn, any time he, he, we don't like how fast or slow he's going, we can do what? We can say it louder. Take over. Take over. And so I, I, I say to you tonight from my heart, from my heart to you, this is even a more dangerous spot for you and I to be in in these last days, even than this. Because here, at least we know we have not surrendered to the King of Kings. This one, we say we've surrendered, but we stop Jesus any time we don't like his lordship. So where, my friends, where should Bill be in this scenario? In the back seat. In the back seat. Uh, excuse me, one second, I got to get a back seat. Oh, you know, we have one back here. This is, gonna, this is not going to look like a Ferrari anymore, but that's where the back seat is, brother. You know what? What do you think of that? Is that a better spot for him to be in? Can he interfere now with where Jesus is going? No, he cannot. Now, my friends, we want to interfere. I was down below a very large mall in a country in the world where there's almost no religious freedom. The believers there had invited me to come and teach them how to be disciple makers in a place where if you make a false move, you can lose your life. It was, I, I said, where are we meeting tonight? It was a Saturday night. And they said, there's too many for us to, to meet in our, in our house church. That's most of the places where I go. When I go. when I go underground for Jesus, I'm usually meeting in house churches and difficult places like that. They said, there's too many to be in any of our little homes. I said, where are we going to meet? They, they said, oh, you'll find out. And when we were pulling up to the mall, I said, this is not where I would choose. <laughs> not where I would, I, would, I would plan to have a safe place to hang out with other believers in Jesus that are illegal in this country, by the way, in this particular country I'm telling you about. I was doing this, this setting. By the way, we went way deep, deep down below this huge, beautiful mall in a room where deacons were standing like this outside, just kind of smiling like bouncers, watching to make sure they knew everybody who walked in. They didn't know me when I came up because the elders had invited me to go there. And so the elders whispered something to them. Then they were like, they smiled and said, welcome. And I noticed they, I stepped in and the door closed right behind me. No, just like we do here, you know, welcome in, come on in to church and keep the door open. No, it was like, 
open, close. And they went back just like this in position, just waiting and watching. It was in that setting where there was very little freedom. When we did this illustration, just like this, a man came up and he was twice as big as you. Big, 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 big fella. It's like you and me together, okay? And he sat down in the chair. He did the same illustration. We got to the last part of the, of the illustration, and I, and I cried out to the people, which, by the way, are our brothers and sisters in Christ who live without the freedoms that we are celebrating today. You hear me? Living without it. Every day they live without it. And I cried out to them, and I said, where should this man go if he was really trusting Jesus? And a little boy, only one little boy came that night. Only one little boy was trusted to be there. And a little boy waved his hands like this in the back. And he shouted out, put him in the trunk. <laughs> and I said, little boy, why? Do you want me to tell this big, strong man that he should be in the trunk when it comes to where he drives with Jesus? And he said, as only a little boy could do, he hollered and he says, because if he's in the trunk, he can't see where Jesus is driving him, and he has to trust him all the way. Thank you. Thank you very much for your help. Thank you. Oh, he's going in the trunk. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Because these evening meetings are not about my speaking, but it's about you and I being confronted with the good news of Jesus. Amen? Then I invite us to do something right now. Before I go even any further, I invite you to, like, just imagine where you're sitting. So you're, you know, you're in your, what do you call these? Bucket, bucket seats, right? Is that what you call it? I don't know what you call it. But anyway, folding chairs. Anyway. Where you are right now, I invite you, if you're able, to get out of your seat, if you're able, and to get on your knees by it like this. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. Now, some of us can't do that, and that's fine. But I invite us to get out of the seat and just pause a moment in prayer for all of us in this room, me too, to say, Father in heaven, where am I in this illustration tonight? Am I in the driver's seat, like totally disregarding the lordship of Jesus Christ as king of kings and lord of lords? Or have I prided myself as an end-time believer that I'm out of that seat, but I'm right next door, so close in the, in, the, in the passenger seat? My children used to call it the co-pilot seat, you know what I'm saying? Where I can interfere with your son Jesus anytime I want to. Is that where I am, Lord? Or have you touched my life and moved my heart to the point where you have given me joy in giving up to you. And am I in the what? Am I in the trunk? I'm inviting us right now, just for a couple of minutes, to pray. If you're not able to get on your knees, don't, don't worry about it. But if you're able, I invite you to get on your knees with a blank chair here and ask, ask our Father in heaven which place we're in tonight. And then when you hear me start to sing, please sing with me. Uh, just, just a couple of minutes, one or two minutes of quiet. And those, those that are watching, I invite you to do it in your homes, wherever you're watching from right now. Let's come to, to God right now in silent prayer, just for a moment.
Dear Father in heaven, I cry out to you right here in front of this empty chair right where I am and hear our prayers right in this room. God, where do you see us right now tonight? Would you please be very direct with me and with us in this room? We don't want to play church. Amen, everybody? We don't want to play church. It's too late. We don't want to play around with Jesus Christ as if he's only a dry religion. Jesus Christ is alive tonight. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, Father in heaven, would you please send the Holy Spirit in this room to confront us with the question or the answer to where are we tonight? Are we driving Are we trying desperately to hang on to the driving wheel by being your co-pilot? Or have we relinquished the wheel completely by the grace and power of Jesus, not our own power, and are we in the trunk? We'll pause just one more moment, and then we'll, we'll sing a song to the glory of Christ. Now with our our heads bowed, would you join me in this song of He's Able and let's think as we sing it about how able Jesus is to help us surrender to him. He's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Sing it with me. He healed the brokenhearted, and he set the captive free. He made the lame to walk again, and he caused the blind to see. He's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Amen. Amen. Is he able to carry us through? Now, are you happy or sad about what the Holy Spirit said to your heart? Let's be honest. Are you happy or sad? I heard both, and I heard happy, and I heard sad. You know what? This is not something for shame tonight. There are many, many times as we approach the second coming of Jesus that I think I know exactly where I am in this illustration, and the Holy Spirit has to confront me and say, Don, it's time for another major adjustment. Are you having that happen in this end of time? This is a good thing. It's because the Holy Spirit loves God's people very, very much. And he wants us to have the freedom of full and radical surrender to Christ Jesus as Lord, as King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? The question is, if we heard from heaven tonight, if we were confronted tonight that we are in the wrong spot, that we are in the driver's spot, or we're trying desperately to hold on to power and authority in some way, if we've been confronted by that tonight, then we may be tempted by the tempter to be discouraged tonight. How is there hope for me? How is there hope that I could fully surrender to Christ if I'm hanging on to that bitterness, if I'm hanging on to that lack of forgiveness towards someone who's hurt me, if I'm hanging on to a secret sin, a public sin, 
You know what I'm saying? We may think, okay, that's true. Jesus is Lord. But how can he become Lord for me? How can he become king of kings completely? Isn't that a question that we have? Are you open to some more good news or not? Are you? Okay. In the last church I pastored in California, there was a tall, tall man who, you, who was a retired dentist and who was also my head elder who walked with God. And continually, he came up to me and he said, Don, you know me as your head elder. You know me as someone who fiercely follows after God. I said, yes, I do. I, that's what I know about you. He said, but you don't know what Jesus has had to do in me. I said, no, I don't. And he said, do you want to know the secret that I have in Jesus? I said, sure. And he said, open your Bible, please, pastor, to Colossians 1. Will you go there with me right now? He said, would you please open your Bible to Colossians 1? I said, sure. Now, I'm going to tell you this story just the way it happened. I'm not necessarily, no, I can take out the word necessarily. I'm not proud of it, but this is the way it happened. Because, by the way, we don't come to camp meeting to impress each other, right? Am I right? We're here to do what? Lift who up? Jesus Christ. So if we can learn from each other, isn't that a good thing? So don't do what I did in this story. Okay. You have to always say that. Colossians 1, 27. He said, Don, he said, this text is a game changer in the life of a Christian. I said, okay, good. I've, you know, I've read through the Bible how many times? And so, you know what? I came not as a learner to the word when, he, when my dear elder said this. Do you ever do that? You come because you know you already read it. Do you ever do that? Dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So here's my elder. He's pouring his heart out to me. He, he's impressed that this pastor needs to hear a precious truth, and, and I'm not ready for it. But he's hoping I'll be. In verse 27, he reads, and we read tonight, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he said, stop, Don. He said, there are three words in verse 27 that changes the whole way we understand everything about what it means to be a follower after Jesus Christ. In fact, the whole mystery of the gospel is summed up in three words. Do you, do you see it there? What are the three words that is the whole summation of the entire gospel? Christ in you, right? Christ in you, then the hope of glory. But Christ in you. I said, thank you very much. I was thinking, I, inside, I didn't say it disrespectfully, but I was thinking, amen. Kind of like, amen, yeah, Christ in you. That's, that's good. And I said, thanks for sharing. And I walked away. Is it possible that you and I have received Christ when we were little or bigger, whenever we came into, into the knowledge of Jesus Christ as our Savior. Remember last night we were talking about Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who, what? He wants to come in. Is it possible that you and I tonight have asked Jesus in and then operated our life as if he is not residing there? Is it possible? Is it possible that we have been too tritely treating this matter of inviting Jesus in? And then we proceed to go on and say, amen, I've got that covered. Check on the box. You know what I'm saying? Check on the box. Jesus is my Savior. We plop back down in here with the rest of our life, 
and say, I'm so happy that I am a Christian. I'm so happy that I am a Seventh-day Adventist Christian with its end-time truth, and now I will drive the rest of my day and the rest of my week as I please. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. My dear elder came up to me again and asked the same question. And again and again, I am thankful as a pastor that over my lifetime, I have had elders in the church that loved this pastor's soul so much that they risked their relationship with me to gently but persistently hold up the word of God to me. I'm serious. Church members, do you love your pastor enough that if you see him weighed down on this matter, that you will love him enough and care about his soul enough that you'll pray for him and lift him up. Because you know what? It's a hard thing to be a pastor in these last days, right? Am I right or wrong? It's not an easy thing. This elder kept coming up to me again and again. And he kept on saying, Don, did you get it? Yeah, I got it. I didn't get it. And one day I was out praying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit touched my heart so deeply. And he said, Don, think about who Jesus Christ is. When you were a little boy growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church and you received Christ and you said, come in, Jesus, be my Savior, he lives there by faith. Amen? He lives there. And he said, Don, why don't you just do a study again about who Jesus is? By the way, if you haven't gone through the book of Revelation, just according to what the main purpose of it is, the first five words say, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Am I right? The, say it with me, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole book of Revelation is there to reveal Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has taken me back to that study multiple, multiple times now, taking several months, every so often, to read the whole book of Revelation just to understand who is a real Jesus Christ in these end times, noting everything I can find. Would you do that? Are any of you curious to do that? I'm serious. It, it will move your heart again with how awesome Jesus is. As I did, I started realizing the one I invited in is much more than I have understood. Much, much more. Are you tracking tonight or not? He is much, much more. He's a king of kings. He's a lord of lords. He's the one who's coming in the clouds. He is the amen, right? The faithful and true witness. He is the lamb, but he's also the what? The lion of Judah. He's the first and the last, right? The alpha and the omega. His voice is like the rushing waters. And it goes on and on and on. This is the one who lives in us tonight. And the one who lives in us tonight by faith and only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery, right? Right? It's a mystery how Jesus can live in us and still be doing his special work in the sanctuary. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Only by. This is a game changer. Because the one who cried out, it is finished, and who has all victory and power, he lives here. And he lives in your heart too. Amen? The one who knows no defeat lives in your heart. Let's think about this for a moment. 
And one more illustration. And then if, you, if you're not too tired, I'm going to tell you a story that just happened in Africa, in South Africa, that has shown me the power of Jesus all over again. I need a person who is quite short. It's not that we have anything against being short. In heaven, I'm sure I'll be short and that person will be twice as tall. But for tonight, I need someone who is quite short. I need someone who is just a little bit, like definitely taller and bigger and stronger than that person. Are you my short person? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being my short person. Okay, if you can be right here, you're the short person. Now I need someone that is clearly bigger and, and taller and stronger than her. Not like this, but I mean, but you know, but definitely like a definite step up. So I need someone real quick. Okay. Come on, fast, fast, fast. Thank you, thank you. Okay, come on up. Thank you very much. Okay. Is she definitely, definitely looks like she's taller, right? Okay. You feeling stronger? Okay, good. Right, right here. You can come right here. Now, now, if you can face each other, if you can face each other, right here. So come right over here. And, oh, sorry. I need you, you stand this way, and you're going to face her. So come right here. Come right here. I may need a mother in Israel to help me out real quick here. Okay, so I need you to stand here and face her. Okay, there you go. Okay, now, I want you to imagine something. Now, I'm not promoting boxing tonight, but I just want to stay with me, okay? Stay with me. All right? If you can put your, your fist up like you're going to do a boxing match, and you put your fist up, so go more like this, okay? That, that's good. That's all right. Now, I want to ask you a question. If these, if I went and say, let, let the boxing match begin... And if she was hitting as hard as she could, and she was hitting hard as she could, what could happen? She may feel like she's outmatched by someone that has longer arms, right? Can reach further, right? And it's very possible that she could lose. Not that you're not important. But my friends, tonight, is it possible that you and I have been facing the adversary of our souls as if we have to face off directly with that person? I should say that power. Are you with me tonight? Is it, are you with me or not? Is it possible that we have been facing temptation, our fears, dot, 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 our, our anxieties, whatever? We've been facing that what's coming against us by ourselves in this end of time and failing and wondering why we lose the bout? Now, I need someone that is way, way bigger than these two put together, strong and powerful, that would come up very, very quickly. So I need a strong, powerful, powerful person. So help me out. Look around you. I don't know who, who it is. I don't know everybody here. In, in the, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you very, very much. Okay. Now, my friend, would you please ask your new friend right here to come and fight? Just say, would you please fight for me? That's all you have to say. You have to say it really loud because you don't have no mic. Would you please fight for me? Sure. Absolutely. If you can stand right here. Oh, no, no. Right here, right here. I have to turn around this way. Okay. Okay, now, put those up there like this. Now, I want you to be right behind him, okay? Now, here's the deal. How do you think this fight's going to go now? Um, I don't know. She's saying, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. How do you think it's going to go? Who do you think is going to win, here or here? This little one is going to win because someone much bigger who's never lost a battle is now going to fight for her. And any time the opposition tries to get at this little one right here, then guess what? Jesus is protecting her. Who does she stand for? She stands for, let's point to ourselves and say me. One, two, three, me. 
Yes, Jesus Christ has never been defeated. And where does he live? He lives in your heart and my heart tonight. Let's give these, these two girls and the champion a, a hand here. Thank you. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Now, do you have time for one last story or not? Are you okay? There is something that, that Jesus Christ did in my life right before Christmas in South Africa that, looking back on it now, I think he showed me his power because he knew what April and I would face just a couple months ago. And some of you know and some of you don't know yet. But here's what happened. You know, Jesus will reveal his power to you and me at strategic times in these last days to get our eyes on him, to strengthen us in him. And tonight, I tell you this story not for your entertainment, but to to testify that Jesus once again has shown this man he's bigger than I thought he was. Much, much bigger than I thought he was. Do you ever have times like that? And you just say, you just have to worship him. And you just have to say, you're out of my league, Jesus Christ. And I'm glad you are. Hallelujah. Here's what happened. In these last days, my wife and I have covenanted to God that anytime God calls me somewhere, I will go. My wife will go with me as she's been able. Uh, when the, the kids, you know, flew out of the nest, she would go with me, but more, more like closer to home, like in the south or sometimes a few places across the states or in Canada. But the overseas ones, we, we have understood from God that's where I'm supposed to go. So uh, we got a call before Christmas from a bishop in South Africa who had been listening to Seventh-day Adventist messages. And he said, I want to know, he's a Pentecostal bishop and uh, has a lot of influence. And he said, I want to know if you would come over and disciple my people to Jesus in preparation for the second coming of Christ. Yeah. And so my wife and I prayed and, uh, and we prayed and it was right before Christmas and the Holy Spirit impressed us, I should go. And my wife said, you've got my prayers, I'm going to back you up as she always does. And so off I went to South Africa with another friend. And so another buddy, brother in Christ. So off we went. We went all the way over to South Africa. The bishop and his son met me and uh, met, met both of us. And I said, now you said it's about just uh, three or four hours away from, our, from the airport, right? Well, just kind of like that. And so we hopped into a, uh, a van, which went to another van, and off we went across into the darkness for the next about eight or nine hours into, I have no idea even to this day how to describe it to you. I went way out into the wild blue yonder. And I, I was trusting a lot because there's a lot of violence in that part of South Africa where I went. And I kept saying, now God, you are the one who called me. And this dear bishop is someone who loves you and wants his people ready to meet your son, Jesus. So just put your, your hands over me. And God did. So we went to the place and that he had arranged for. It was a very, very large village, way out in the middle of nowhere. I've been in South Africa many times, but never way out there. And, and there I would preach in the night on revival, just revival messages, getting ready for Jesus to come. And in the morning, for about three or four hours, I would disciple these precious Pentecostal people 
to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and to be dependent on the authority of God's word, okay? And to be ready for Jesus to come. Satan was angry. And after just a night or two, the tent that I was in, all of a sudden a huge storm came down from the mountains that we were in and flattened the tent just like it was nothing, just flattened it. And, and smashed it so badly that the pastor there said, oh, there's no way we can put it up again. And so we went under a church that was being built. It had no roof. And there we continued on. And, and God blessed, and he blessed, and he blessed. And people started coming from another distant, other distant villages from far, far away. Because, my friends, people are hungry for the word. They're hungry for the word. And so Satan was angry. And after, after seeing God work and people started coming from other villages, from here and there, some of them for many hours away. And it was expensive for them to get there. And humble people, searching people like Bereans, my friends, hungry for the word of God. Then one night, as opposition started coming about, and there's not, not time to tell the whole story, but opposition started coming from leaders in that area because they saw the simple truth of Jesus coming again. They saw the, the that the authority of God's word was higher than what this visiting pastor had to say, was higher than what they had to say. Amen? It, it, it uh, what's the word? It challenges everything. And it unsettled the leadership in that area. And I started being opposed, subtly at first, and then in more and more dangerous ways. Let's just leave it at that until the Holy Spirit said one night, get out of this town and get out very, very fast. And I never had that happen before in my life. And so me and my other Seventh-day Adventist colleague, we, we uh, asked the bishop and his son, we are impressed by God to get out of here quickly. And we drove very quietly past the leaders in that town that were opposing, and quietly past, just praying that we'd get out, and we got out safely. And, the, and we said to God, we prayed, now we still have time in South Africa, where do you want to go? And the Holy Spirit said, remember that precious, precious lay pastor, lady, from a Pentecostal church way up high in the mountains, high in the mountains, mountains I didn't even know existed before in South Africa. I know the ones in the southern, southern part along the ocean, but I don't know about that one, you know, where Table Mountain is and all that, but didn't know about this. So um, I said, let's go. So we drove about, I can't remember, three or four hours way out into a remote village, high up in the mountains, big mountains around and here was this little church, and she had said, my people are hungry and they're thirsty. They were way more hungry and way more thirsty than the first place. And for the next week, every morning, I would disciple that congregation to Jesus, about 50 precious souls. Just a little church. By the way, I don't care if a church is big or, or small or whatever. That's God's business. Are you with me tonight? I'll go to the other side of the world, and I have sometimes for just a, just a handful. If the Holy Spirit says this is strategic to me and my kingdom, ah, amen. I don't care. And so, and I hope you don't either, by the way. When the Holy Spirit tells you to go across the street to one, go. If he tells you to speak to 10,000, go. Just go if he tells you to go. Oh, the Holy Spirit was ready. And so every night I would, I would preach Jesus and the soon coming Christ and what it means to get ready for his coming. And, and the people would just, like they had their beat up Bibles. Now this is a brand new Bible for my dear wife, but they did not have Bibles that looked like this. They were Bibles that looked like they'd been handed down from generations, those that had them. They were beat up, they were torn up, they were almost falling apart. 
uh, not only from use, but just from being handed down, handed down, handed down. They're very expensive to get up in that remote area. And they would just huddle together and read and study. And the Spirit of God was there. And I could tell he was falling like the rain on that little church that was hungry for more of Jesus. Are you, by the way, are you hungry for more of Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit comes to those who are hungry and thirsting after Christ. In that place, I came to the next to the last night, and the Holy Spirit told, told me as I was studying the Word of God, because by the way, the Holy Spirit still speaks to his people. He doesn't speak to me audibly. He speaks to me through the Word of God and through prayer. And when it's through prayer, I test it back with the Word of God, because the Word of God, again, tests how much? Everything we do and everything we understand, even in prayer. Don't stand only on what you hear in prayer. You always stand on the Word of God. Amen? And so he impressed me, preach the second coming of Jesus. So it would have been a beautiful day. No problems. Everything was good. The church was hungry and thirsty. And so I began preaching about the second coming of Jesus. The people smashed into that little church, crowded into that little church. They, they filled up their, every little place. I had a little tiny microphone. It was working. Little tiny lights strung up. They were working. And God had set the table. And the meal was there in the word of God. And the people were leaning up like this. And they were saying, amen. I had an interpreter or translator because they didn't know my language, many of them. And so there's always a little lag time. But as soon as they heard the word of God, they received it. And I wondered tonight, are you and I that thirsty for the word of God? Are we? And they were thirsty like that. And as I got to the end of the message, showing from the word of God that the second coming of Jesus is near, the second, uh, second coming of Jesus is real, the second coming of Jesus is not going to be secret, amen? Seventh-day Adventist, amen? That it's going to be real and every eye will see him. And there'll be a trumpet call of God, right? And the dead in Christ will rise. And then we'll be caught up together with a... Lord in the air, and so will we be with him forever. And the church was happy and rejoicing in the second coming of Jesus, understanding this truth that way for the first time. When all of a sudden, as I was getting ready to close off the message, something happened that would ne never, I, I pray I'll never forget it until Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit, and he's done this before when I've been preaching, but not like this. He said, Don, this church right now is ready to hear the truth about what happens when they die. You're about to leave this church, and you may never come back again. That's not a, something that I'm going to reveal to you, he told me. So he said, you need to preach as if you never see this church again. I said, amen. Now, this is right in, right in, right in the middle of the, I mean, the end of the sermon. I'm getting ready to tie it all off and make an appeal about being true to, the, to this truth about the second coming of Jesus, to be ready to meet him face to face. And the Holy Spirit saying, start a whole other sermon. And, and preach to them that when we die, we are asleep in the ground until what? Until that trumpet call when Jesus comes again. Now, you might think, that's very nice, Don. Very, very nice message. My friends, this would be confronting demonic power. And by the way, this truth also confronts demonic power in this nation. But we have forgotten that that truth confronts demonic power. Because here, we're so sophisticated in comparison. At least we think we are, right? But in that place, it was a very, very dangerous thing, humanly speaking, to teach the word of God on this because 
down through the ages, all these believers, and there were many in that area, they, they also not only worshiped Jesus Christ, but they also worshiped their ancestors. There was much of this together in that village. A very dangerous thing, by the way. And that also is, whether we want to admit it or not, is in, this, in um, the United States of America as well. We have too much of this going together. And so he impressed me to, to read it, so, I mean, to, to teach it and to preach it. And so I started preaching. I went to, to Ecclesiastes 9.5. Are you with me? You know, and, and other places like that. And was sharing the truth of what God teaches about what happens when we die. And that Jesus is the one who has the key to the grave, not Satan. Amen? And as soon as I started preaching this, just like this, boom, like this, a huge storm came down from the mountains and beat against the church like it would tear the church apart. And I was shocked because I've never seen a storm come that fast. I'm an outdoor guy. I like backpacking and all that. I've been in many, many storms, and they don't scare me. Almost never does a storm scare me. And I will tell you, I, I, that storm came so fast, and only when I went into this truth, and I, and I said in my heart, I'm standing there in front of the people like this, and I said, God, what is this? You know, silently to him, God, what is this? And he said, this is not just a normal storm. He whispered to my heart. He said, Don, this is a demonic storm. And I said, God, what do I do? And he said, preach louder. And as I lifted up my voice and started to preach louder, all the power went out. The microphone went out. The lights went out. Total darkness. And the people had, some of them had beat up old phones, and they turned their lights on, and the people stayed. And I started preaching louder, and and I would preach louder, and the winds went up higher. And I said, God, what do I do? He said, preach louder. And so I was preaching the word louder, and I said, Jesus is coming again. And when he comes again, he unlocks the graves of all those who believe in him. Amen? And they will come to life. But I said, those of you who have been taught that when your loved ones die, that they become evil spirits that come and haunt you, this is not according to the word of God. And it's like the storm went totally berserk beating and thrashing against the church because Satan was angry that he was being revealed. And I said, God, what do I do? He said, preach as loud as you can. And soon I was hollering the word of God. That's the only way I can say it. It doesn't sound nice, but I was yelling the word of God at the top of my lungs. And people five feet away could not hear the word of God. Jesus was getting ready to prove something, not just to that little church of Pentecostals, but to this man who needed to know the power of Jesus. I said, Jesus, I cannot preach any louder than I'm preaching. I am hollering, and I'm loud, as loud as I can, and they can't hear me. What do I do? The Spirit of God is never intimidated by Satan and his demons. The Spirit of God is fearless, just as Jesus Christ is, and our Father in heaven. Amen? Not intimidated. The Spirit of God said, put them into little tiny companies. Make sure that each little company has the Word of God and at least have one little beat-up phone to, to shine light on the Word of God. And you go run around to each little group of five or six and you bend down to their ear. This is all from him. Bend down to their ear and yell in their ear the next passage of my Word. And he, the Spirit of God said, and I will teach them myself. Oh, I was moved in my heart. And so that's what I did. I started jogging through the darkness with my light on like this. 
And I'd run to this little company and I would say, Ecclesiastes 9, da, 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 this. Look and see what it says. And I'd run to the next one, Ecclesiastes, or whatever the passage was. And this is what I did for the next almost hour. And finally, I said, God, that's all the ones that I can think of that I can share tonight. And he said, now yell across the church. And, and he told me what to yell. Is the word of God clear? And the winds were still howling and just snarling. It was horrible. And I thought, they're not going to be able to hear it. And the people instantly shouted back in their own language, the word of God is clear to us. And I said, who will stand in this church tonight? Who will stand and be true to the word of God and and?" Put yourself under the lordship of Christ, no longer under the demons and the spirits of your ancestors, and you will stand for Jesus until he comes, though the heavens fall, and you will turn your back on worshiping the demons along with Christ. You'll only worship Christ. And no one moved a muscle because that was dangerous. Some of them knew they would lose their jobs if they did this, turning their backs on ancestor worship. Are you following me? Some knew that they could lose their marriages. Some knew the children, some of them knew they could be cast out by mom and dad that night. It's a big deal. No one moved. And then a child stood up. And then another one stood up. And then an adult, an adult. And then the church leapt up to their feet. And in their own language, they said, we will stand for Christ. And as soon as they said, we will stand, and they leapt to their feet, the storm that was going like this, and was shattered because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus Christ wanted to show the church and he wanted to show this man that he has all power and authority and that we find refuge in Christ. We rest in Christ. We surrender to Christ. I don't know what your storm is tonight. I don't know what you're up against. Your loss, your temptation, what you're failing on, but Jesus is big enough. Jesus showed me his power right before Christmas because he knew that in February I would find out my wife of now 34 years, May 2, has stage 4 lymphoma, aggressive large B cell. Stage 4 lymphoma. She's my hiking buddy. She's, a, she's my second love, second only to Jesus. She's the one that, that I'm partners with in mission in these last days. Jesus wanted to show me and show her that he's enough for us. Amen? Amen. Tonight, I give you a simple invitation. I'm going to come down here, and if you are someone that knows that Jesus is calling you to surrender to him, to get out of either of these front two seats, and to surrender to Jesus as Lord with your life, with whatever going on in your life, this is not a poetic moment. It's not something just to do at the end of a meeting. We are living in the last days, and Jesus is looking for a people that will say, Jesus, you are everything to me, and I don't have the power even to follow you, but you have all power and authority, and you live here. So would you face my temptation for me? Would you face the fears of my loss for me? Are you tracking? Would you face whatever I'm facing for me? And I give up my seat to you, and I surrender. 
if this is what God is calling you to do, I just come up, just come up here. Pastors, if you come up and help me, just, we're going to have a few minutes of just praying and then I'll have a prayer. So just come up. And pastors, wherever you are, just come up here and just gather in little groups. Uh, this is a serious time to come before the throne of Christ tonight. As people are coming, just sing with me this song, <clears throat> if you know it. If you don't know it, just hum along. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to the Lord. I invite the pastors. Pastors, where are you? Just raise your hand. I don't know where pastors are. Are there any here? If you can uh, just gather around any pastor. We have some here in the hallway, uh, the, the aisles. Just raise your hand up. Thank you, pastors. Just come around, pastors. And pastors, would you just cry out to God for this moment? Okay? So just have a few minutes like that. You can turn my mic off just for a moment until I put my hand up. And then I'm going to close with a prayer for all of us. Whoever wants to just come up right here. Let's just pray. Into my heart, Lord Jesus. Dear Father in heaven, to your Son, Jesus Christ, be all the glory, all the power, and all the majesty. We thank you, Father, for sending the Holy Spirit here tonight, for breaking open our hearts through the simple but powerful written word of God. Thank you that Jesus Christ is enough. He's enough. For every believer in here who claims him. He's enough for any one of us here who have failed him again and again and again. He's enough to take us where we are but not leave us where we are and to be high and lifted up. Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are our victory. And we say glory and honor be to your name. And all the people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Pass this on to somebody else that needs to know that Jesus is big enough for them. God bless you and keep you. Have a good night. On the way out, there's a little book called Live Like Elijah. If you want one for you, take it.
Read it and pass it on. God bless you and have a good night. Praise God.